The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Amen. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? You doing good? By the way, happy birthday. Look at somebody around you. Just tell them happy birthday. Go ahead and look at them and tell them happy birthday this morning. Can you believe Story City Church is four years old? It's unbelievable. It feels like 40 years. We moved here five years ago, launched a church four years ago in February of 2000. 16. It's crazy that today we're four years old. Now, some of you guys are new this morning, and you can clap for that. That's good. Some of you guys are new this morning, and you're here for the first time, and I just want to say welcome. We're just honored that you're here, and maybe you've not been around for this journey over the last four years, and so I thought it would be good just for a moment as we launch into our time together in the Scriptures, just to show you a few pictures over, over the last four years and where we've been. And so in February of 2015, we began meeting with a core team in my home, and so it was the most awkward season of my life. And we were gathering people that nobody knew each other. Uh, literally, there were people that we met in restaurants. There were people we met in coffee shops. And we just said, hey, uh, we're starting something new in our city. Would love to invite you over to our house for dinner. It was, if you ever pledged a fraternity, it was kind of like fraternity rush. You're meeting people you never met before. And it was so awkward. And so we met for three months in the spring of 2015 in our home. And then in May of 2015, we had outgrown our home and we had to move to the Banshee Theater on Magnolia Boulevard here in town. It's now, I think, the Comedy Connection or Comedy LA or something like that. And so from May 15, to, uh, 2015 until August 2015, we met every other week in the Comedy Club. And at the last Sunday, the last Sunday of August 2015, uh, we had over 70 people that showed up in our core team. The AC went out in the uh, in the Banshee Theater. Uh, we had our first baptism. We literally ran out of seats. It was so hot. It was like 100 degrees that day. And while I was speaking, Tyler, who's now our campus pastor in Granada Hills, was literally dragging a cooler down the aisle, passing out waters while I was speaking. It was so hot. And so we said, you know what? We got to find a new location. And two weeks later, the first Sunday in September, we began meeting in Flappers Comedy Club here in downtown Burbank. And you guys know Flappers Comedy Club? Some of you guys have performed at Flappers Comedy Comedy Club. And so we started meeting in September 2015, and then five months later, and I don't know if you can see this or not, but we launched our church in Flappers Comedy Club. It's hard to see um, in, in February 2016. And then here we are today, uh, just a few years later, and now we're four years old. Can you believe it? It's been unbelievable the journey that God's been walking us through. And this coming Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m., if you're one of our partners here at Story City Church, we're going to talk about the next journey in, our, in the season of life and the next building that God's preparing for us. So watch out for an email for that. Have you ever been through a season that was just so good? You ever been through one of those seasons? Man, it's just so good. You ever been through good seasons of life? Yes, simultaneously at the same time. So hard. You ever been through one of those? You're just like, man, this is such a good season, but it's just so hard. You ever been through those seasons? You know, over the last five years, this has been such an incredible season, one of the greatest seasons of my life personally. And for some of you guys would say the same thing. We have people that moved out with us, people who have been here since the beginning. I texted Andy, who's our worship leader, uh, this week, a picture from the comedy club four and a half years ago when he was here. It's been one of the greatest seasons of my life, but I want to say to you, it's also been one of the hardest. And some of you guys have been through seasons like that where it's like, you know, it's so good, but it's just so hard. There's been times over the last five years where I just, yeah, I, if I can be authentic with you this morning in church, is it okay to be authentic and genuine this morning? 
There's been times over the last five years where I just wanted to throw the towel in. I just wanted to quit. I just wanted to give up. There have been times over the last five years where I was depressed. I probably had a clinical uh, diagnosis of depression. You ever been in a season of life that was just so good, yet just so hard? This morning, I want to give you encouragement. I don't know where you are, what season of life you're in. I don't know if you're walking through trial. I don't know if you're walking through struggle. I don't know if it's a good season or a bad season, but we find ourselves in a text here in Luke chapter 8 this morning. And I want to encourage us, whatever season that you're walking through in life, I want to encourage you to trust God during the storms of life. And so we land the plane today in a series we've been in over about the last eight weeks or so in the book of Luke. If you're new here this morning, you don't have to worry about everything else we've already been through. We're in a text this morning in Luke chapter 8. If you happen to bring a Bible, we're going to start in verse 22. If you didn't, we're going to put the verses on the screen, and that's okay. We're going to land this series today. We've been calling basic training. And there's a storm happening in Luke chapter 8. Literally, there's there's a storm happening in Luke chapter 8, and Jesus is going to conclude this season of basic training with people he calls disciples, people who are following him. He's going to conclude this time, and he's going to teach them and, and walk them through what it means to trust him in the storms of life. And so this morning, I want to preach a message that I've just titled. I changed my title this morning. I want to preach a message this morning titled, Messing with My ETA. Messing with my ETA. And here's what I think we're going to see in this passage today. I think the capacity of your life to survive the storms of life, you following me? The capacity of your life to survive the storms of life is not based in who you are. Now, that may offend some of you who are strong. That may offend some of you who are, are, are determined. That may defend some of you, uh, offend some of you who are self-confident, maybe arrogant, maybe a little bit prideful. But I believe the capacity of your life to survive the storms of life is not based in who you are, but I believe it's based in a Savior who can calm your storms. Now, this may not surprise you, but I believe that Savior's name is Jesus, and that may not surprise you because you're in church this morning. But I want to tell you why, and I want to tell you how, through this passage this morning, Jesus can save you in the storms of life. So Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 22. We just got a couple verses this morning, and we're going to make our way through verse 25. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 22, and this is what the Scripture says. And one day Jesus said to his disciples, let us... Go over to the other side of the lake. And so they got into a boat and they set out. Don't you know it's always best to follow somebody who knows where they're going? <laughs> and Jesus said, I, we're going to the other side. And so we could read Luke chapter 8 and begin in verse 22. And we may think, well, Jesus needs to get in a boat and get to the other side of the lake because that's where the next ministry opportunity is. And that's where the next opportunity to do everything he's been doing is. But I don't want us to miss the fact this morning that the journey that they're about to take from one side of the lake to the other is very important to Jesus. And the journey to the other other side of the lake, listen to me, is within the plans and the purposes of God. So if you're a pretty savvy Bible reader here this morning, you've ever read this text before, you know what's about to happen. You understand it's going to get a little chaotic in the next verse, and the disciples are going to panic. And so before we uh, just pick on the disciples, let me just remind us how they're about to respond to the storm that's going to blow up in the boat on the way to the other side is typically how most of us respond in our storms. Most of us are surprised when a storm comes in our life. 
Most of us are panicked when a storm comes in our life and we just respond and we just react. And maybe for some of you here this morning, maybe your belief about God is that he responds the same way. Maybe you believe that the storm in your life today, God's also surprised by it and he's also panicked by it. And now he's just assembling a strategy and a plan for how to deal with the storm in your life. But I want to say biblically, when we read the story of God, We understand that the storms of life are not just surprising to God, but they're also allowed by God. And God's actually using that storm from your journey from this side to the other as a strategic thing in your life. They're all part of God's plans to get you to the other side. God's not simply responding to what's happening in your life. God's in control. And I want to encourage you this morning, the fact that Uh, The God that I believe in, I believe the God that we see here in the Bible is what we call and how we describe him is he's sovereign. In other words, he's all powerful. He's in control of your storm. And uh, over the last five years, there have been moments where I've just said, you know what, God, I just want to I want to press the eject button. I, I want out. And maybe you've been through a good season of life that it was simultaneously hard and you're just looking for the eject button. God, just, just get me out. And I just want to testify to you this morning. I just want to encourage you this morning that even in the difficulty of life, God is in control and he knows the situation and he knows the intricacies and he knows the measurements and he knows the minutia of the detail about your storm. He knows where it came from. He knows where it's headed. He knows how it's going to affect you. And do you know that sometimes people use that knowledge about God as a weapon against God? Well, if God knows about my storm, he knew where it was coming from. He knew what it was going to do to me. Why doesn't God do something about it? But God is using the same knowledge, listen to me this morning, for a strategic purpose in your life. God knows what you're walking through. He knows where it came from. He knows how you're going to respond in the middle of it. He knows where it's taking you. And I just want to encourage you this morning. God intends to use every circumstance in your life, no matter the degree of difficulty for his glory. That's what he's trying to do. And if you believe anything other than that, if you believe anything other than that, that that's what God's trying to do in the middle of your struggle and your trial, if you believe anything other than that, it can be devastating to you. It can be devastating to your ability to weather the storm. Job chapter 42, verse 2 says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Proverbs 16, 4 says, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7 says, I form the lights and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord. What does it say? Who does all these things? And if you believe anything other than the fact that God is in control and he's all powerful in the middle of your storms, it can affect your ability to weather the storm. But I want to say to you this morning, you can follow Jesus because Jesus has a purpose. You can follow Jesus because Jesus has a purpose in your storm. Now let's move to verse 23. And I want to see the the next reason why and how God can, can save you in the middle of the storm. Verse 23. And as they sailed, the Bible says, he fell asleep. Don't miss that. And a squall came down on the lake and so that the boat was being swamped and they were in 
great danger. So here's the storm. Here's, if you're a savvy Bible reader, you knew this was about to happen. And we don't have time to explain the, the elements of the Sea of Galilee and what's happening here and why this is an uncommon occurrence. But a downdraft comes into the Sea of Galilee and, and this storm descends upon them. And now they're in danger. And quite honestly, all hell is breaking loose in the boats. And water is flooding the boat, and you don't have to be the skipper. Gilligan's Island, for some of you who are younger. You don't have to be the skipper to know that when water fills the boat, that's a bad thing, right? When water fills the boat, this is not good. But I want you to notice how this verse began. But Jesus <laughs> is sleeping. But Jesus is sleeping. Any of you guys hard sleepers here? Any, anybody a hard sleeper? I'm a hard, I'm a hard sleeper. When I go to sleep, I'm out, especially when I take melatonin. And uh, <laughs> when you're out, you're out. And for some of you guys who are not hard sleepers, that, that may annoy some of you if your spouse is a hard sleeper and you're not. My wife is like that. I'm the hard sleeper. She hears everything. She hears the wind whipping the branches against the window. She hears the ring chime going off when somebody walks in front of our house. She hears the people talking down on the street. And that may annoy you if you're not a sound sleeper, but I'm a sound sleeper, and when I'm asleep, I'm asleep, right? And so we see here in verse 23, Jesus is sleeping like a baby. Actually, that's probably not a good analogy. If you're a parent, you know babies don't sleep like that, right? They just don't sleep like that. So maybe Jesus isn't sleeping like a baby. Maybe Jesus is sleeping like the God he is. And Jesus is so confident, he's so in power, he's so in control that the wind and the waves and the chaos around him doesn't bother him, doesn't surprise him. And so he's trying to get some sleep and his friends are not at rest. He's trying to sleep and his friends are not at peace. They've got anxiety. Jesus has peace. Can I say to us this morning, oftentimes the reason for our inability to cope with stress and anxiety is because we lack the ability to rest in God. And maybe that's the lesson here this morning for some of you. We don't rest in God well. We're worried and we're fearful and we're constantly thinking about so many things. The, the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, uh, said 150 years ago, Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. You know, we just don't rest well when we're stressed about so many things. And there's so many things in life that, that we can be stressed about. We can be stressed about money. Some of you are stressed about money because you have it. Some of you are stressed about money because you don't have it. Some of you are stressed over, over personal relationships. Quite honestly, there's some marriages, maybe even in this room, that just aren't great. Maybe there's some sibling rivalries in this room that just aren't great. Maybe there's relationships with parents this morning that just aren't great. Personal relationships can be stress inducers. Maybe there's work stress in your life. Maybe, maybe there's stress at school if you're in school. I talked to one of our guys this morning studying biology. Just the word biology stresses me out. Maybe you've got stress. <laughs> At school, maybe you've got stress over health issues. Maybe it's your health issues or somebody else's health issues. You know how that affects us? You just think about how stress affects you. Here's how stress affects me. I don't sleep well. I just don't sleep well when I'm stressed. 
I have to take a melatonin to get me to sleep. I have tension in my neck. I toss and turn all night. I wake up at 3 a.m. and my mind is racing. And I stay awake until 6 a.m. when I'm supposed to be awake. I don't sleep well when I'm stressed. But here we have a record of everybody losing their mind. Everybody who's in the boat is losing their mind because they believe everything is about to become unraveled. And yet Jesus is perfectly at rest. Jesus is perfectly at peace. He's at peace in the middle of the storm. Some of us think we're only going to find peace when we're out of the storm. Jesus is at peace in the middle of the storm. We stress before the storm. We stress during the storm. When we walk out of a storm in our life, we just stress about how we responded to everything that happened in the storm. But we need to rest in one thing this morning. Jesus has got this. Whatever your situation is, whatever your trial is, whatever your struggle is, wouldn't it be great just to get to a place in life where where you don't feel like you've got to bear the burden of everything happening around you? Where you don't have to bear the, the stress of not having to spend time, of wasting energy and not being able to sleep. But that's who Jesus is. We can follow him because he's got a purpose. That's what verse 22 showed us. But we can also rest in him because he's at peace. Now, verse 24, I want you to see this. And the disciples went and they woke him and they said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. (laughs) And they woke him. What do you imagine? What do you imagine that that was like, right? You ever been woken in the middle of the night by, by something, just something that startled you? I, uh, my wife woke me a few weeks ago uh, when I was sound asleep. I'm a sound sleeper. And this is how she woke me. She did her arm just like this, whap, and slapped me right in the chest. And I jumped up, and she's like, did you feel that? And I mean, remember the earthquake we had, three point something in Granada Hills? Whap, did you feel that? And I was like, what in God's green earth is happening? She's like, did you feel that? I said, yes, I felt it. I'm feeling it. But was that necessary? (laughs) How do you imagine them waking Jesus? Is there drama when they wake Jesus? Well, the text just says Jesus got up. Jesus calms the storm and the storm subsides and that was it. Before we put the, te- uh, the disciples on blast here, let me, let me just give you, uh, the disciples a little bit of props. The disciples have been walking with Jesus for a season now. And if you've been following us in the book of Luke here, you've seen what the disciples have seen. And they've seen Jesus do some insane stuff here. Some healing stuff, some raising people from the dead stuff, some driving demons out of people stuff. They at least know where to turn for help. They know to call on Jesus. And maybe that's the lesson for some of you this morning. Maybe that's the lesson in the middle of the storm, in the midst of fear and anxiety. Maybe one of the contributing factors to all the anxiety you're experiencing in the middle of the storm is you're not even talking to God about it. The disciples go to God. And maybe what God wants to hear and wants you to hear today is that you should call out to God in the middle of the storm. You should call out to God in the middle of the trial, just like the disciples did. Well, why would the disciples call out to God? 
Why, why, would, they, why would they call out to, to Jesus? Well, in the narrative of, uh, of the book of Luke, this is just another example of Jesus' divinity. In other words, that Jesus himself is God. Jesus doesn't wake up and react and respond the same way the disciples do. Jesus doesn't wake up in the middle of the chaos and drop to his knees and pray to God. He doesn't panic. He doesn't respond the same way. Why? Because the power to calm storms exists in him. He's the son of God. He's God himself. And he doesn't ask God to intervene. Why? Because he's God himself. He's got power over everything happening around him in the boat. May I say to you this morning, he's also got power over your storm this morning. And when you call on God, maybe this is the reason why many of us don't call on God. When you call on God, you don't know how God is going to respond. You don't know how God is going to react. Well, in this passage, in this situation, there's chaos happening, and Jesus responds by changing the circumstance. The chaos becomes calm when Jesus speaks. But listen, there's some of you here this morning that know by experience when you call out to God, God doesn't change your circumstance. Anybody ever been in those situations? I'm trying to ask God to change my circumstance, and I call out to him, but he's not changing my circumstance. I wonder if God hears my prayer. I wonder if God's answering my prayer. Just this week, I spent time with one of, one of Story City's dear and, and precious saints, and cancer has, has literally ravaged her body. Some of you have spent time with her this week as well. The cancer in her body is, at this point, uncontainable without God doing something miraculous. And over the last few weeks and last few months, she's a woman of great faith, by the way. Over the last few weeks and last few months, she's told me more than one occasion, including this week when I sat with her for two hours. She told me, I've asked God for a miracle, and he hasn't given it to me. Sometimes he does. But sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he does, but sometimes he doesn't. But may I say to you this morning, but all the time he's in control. But all the time he's in control. And, and there's no way for us to know. There's no way for me to know. There's no way for you to know the precise plans and the purposes of God on the journey from here to there. But we go to God with our immediate need, whatever that may be. We go to God with, with our trial, and we go to God with our struggle, and we ask him for help, and then we wait for God's response. And may I say to you this morning, sometimes our anxiety in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a struggle, may come, may actually come, and may be wrapped up in our answer to the trial and our preferred future to the trial. And we might pray, and God might change the circumstance, but he might not. But I promise you this, I promise you this, if God doesn't change your circumstance, and if he doesn't change it in the way you believe that should have been changed, I want you to understand this morning and be encouraged that what he's trying to do is to shape your heart and to shape your affections and give you everything you need to pass through the storm. In either way, whether he changes your circumstance or whether he doesn't change your circumstance the way you desire, you need to understand that his power is available. 
and his ear is bent towards hearing you and hearing your request and hearing your immediate need. And his desire is to draw your affections to him. And both of these answers, changing your circumstances or not changing your circumstances, they all contribute to God's purposes. And so we rest in him so that we can be free from anxiety. That's what Philippians chapter 4 tells us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 33, tells us something very similar. Jesus says, I've told you all of these things so that in time you may have peace. In me, you may have peace. In this world, he promises, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. The Bible reminds us that God is all-powerful, so you can call to him. He understands your storm. He understands your trial. He understands your circumstance. So you can ask him for help because he's all powerful. Now, let's close out our time this morning in verse 25. And this is what the scripture says. And Jesus responds to the disciples and he says, where is your faith? He asked the disciples. In fear and amazement, they ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. And so Jesus asked a pretty important question here. Where, where, where is your faith? Don't you think this is a great question? I think it's a great question because if you've been following along in the book of Luke, if you've ever read the book of Luke, then you understand that these disciples have already seen some crazy things, including Jesus raising people from the dead. Yet they're in complete surprise and complete amazement that he now has power over creation. I want you to notice their response here in verse 25. So, so we've had this buildup. The disciples have been learning, and they've been listening, and they've been watching, and they've been observing. And now, this is the point when they say, who is this? <laughs> I just find this fascinating here. Miracle after miracle. Astonishing thing after astonishing thing is happening in their midst. And you get the sense here as you read this that, that in some ways the disciples are still working out their faith. They're still working out who this is that they're following. They're still working out who it is that, that they believe in. Can I also say to you this morning, I hope the same is true with you. I hope you come week after week. I hope you're a part of what God's doing here at Story City week after week. And, and God's increasing your faith and he's showing you more. He's increasing your understanding. He's increasing your depth of faith. Your curiosity is growing. Your faith is growing. And Jesus says to them, where is your Faith. If you understand faith biblically, faith really has two different parts. The first part of faith is this knowledge. It's this mental ascent part. It's this belief part. In other words, it's this belief that, that, that Jesus came to earth as God himself. It's this, it's this belief that, that Jesus lived a perfectly sinless life. It's this belief that Jesus died a death for me because of my sins on the cross. It's this also belief that if I place my trust in Jesus to save me from my sins, that he will save me. So it's one part belief. It's one part mental ascent. But then there's another element of faith that I really believe Jesus is pointing to here in this passage. And the part that Jesus is pointing to when it pertains to faith is what we call Trust. It's this idea of trust. There's a few people in my life that I, that I trust with everything in my life. In fact, I, I have a red eye tonight to Orlando, and I'm spending three days with some guys in my life that I just trust everything in my life to. 
I trust everything in my life too. I can, if something were to happen to me, I trust my wife to them. I trust my kids to them. I trust my bank account to them. I trust decisions over, over my estate to them. I just trust them. And this type of entrust, this type of trust implies that these people are looking out for your best interest. Do you know people like that in your life? Do you have people like that in your life? This type of trust is, is very unique. and implies that, that the people you trust are wise. It implies the people you trust are capable. It, it implies that these types of people that you trust, you're okay with them choosing for you. Just last weekend, someone said, hey, I, I don't trust my sons. I want you to be the executor of my state. These, you trust these people. You trust these people with choosing for you. You trust these types of people to lead you. You see, the principle here is that when you trust Jesus, you're okay with giving him the freedom to choose for you in the middle of your storm. You're okay, and, and you, you give him the freedom because you believe and you trust that he's looking out for your best interest, that he's infinitely wise, that he's infinitely capable to handle whatever you're walking through. You understand when we walk through storms of life, it, it, it has this potential to cause myopia. Do you understand what I mean by that? It has this potential for us to only see this particular circumstance and nothing outside of it. It causes us to, to have myopia, to lose sight of the destination. But back in verse 22, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Do you understand this morning when Jesus says we're going somewhere? That's where we're going. Jesus said in 2014, this is where we're going. That's where we were going. That's where we are. That's where we're going to continue to go. We came out here in 2014 and believed that God put a vision on our heart to not just plant one church, but multiple churches. Jesus says, that's where we're going. Listen to me, today, that's where we are. I'm a bit of a destination guy. Not so much the journey. Some of you are journey people. <laughs> Some of you are more about the journey. And sometimes when you're more about the journey, the storms of life can, can really cause you to lose sight of the destination. And the journey's great. When I moved from Atlanta to Los Angeles five years ago, I, I called a buddy of mine who was an actor in New York, and I said, hey, I want to fly you down to Atlanta. I'll pick you up from the airport. I've got a 24-foot U-Haul, and we're going to drive to L.A. And, and so I had, I had the route mapped out. We're driving straight from Atlanta to Los Angeles. <laughs> straight. Do you understand what I mean? Straight. We're not stopping for hotels. We're driving straight through. I'm moving to L.A. In 48 hours, we're going to be in L.A. I've got my energy drink. I've got my Apple Maps. And listen to me. And I've got my ETA. <laughs> but Jonathan... He's a journey guy. He's a journey guy. Jonathan likes to stop over at, at every rest stop. <laughs> he wants to stop at every scenic view and take it all in. 
He's going to stop at every landmark. He's going to stop at every tourist trap. And so we're, we're rolling into Dallas, and it's about 1 a.m., and Jonathan looks at me and says, we need to make a detour south because I want to go see this. <laughs> Literally, we got to Dallas, and it was taking a left, not on the route. <laughs> Two hours south. We got to go south on this detour. Four hours total out of the way. Mind you, it's 1 a.m. We get there at 3 a.m. What are we even going to see anyway? We got to take a detour. I immediately said, not a chance. You're messing with my ETA. You know, sometimes in life, it's good to enjoy the journey. But in the storms of life, do you trust Jesus with the destination? Maybe you're walking through a difficult time this morning, and maybe you're in the middle of that journey, and myopia has caused you to see just what you can see. Maybe you don't believe this morning that God's going to get you where he said he was going to get you. I'll just be vulnerable with you this morning. There have been times over the last five years I thought, God, you can't get me there. You can't get me there, not because you're not powerful enough and not because I don't trust you, but because that's not where I want to go. I want out. Do you trust that God's going to get you where he said he's going to get you? This is really a faith issue. It's, it's not a sight issue. When, when your faith is affected by what you see, you need to remember that Jesus is still controlling the coordinates. Your destination is still secure. Your destination is still assured. You're going to make it there. And if you're a believer this morning, you place your faith in Jesus, the destination is ultimately heaven. Jesus is ultimately going to get us there. And in the middle of the storm, maybe you need to be reminded that God loves you. Maybe you need to be reminded that he's, he's got your best interest in mind. Maybe you need to understand that, that he's working to get you through it. Listen to me, because he's going to get you to it. That's what the Bible says, Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know what it says, I fear no evil. My dad had cancer for eight months. This is, this, this is the verse he would speak from a stage. Every opportunity he got, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. So 2 Timothy 1.12 says, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You can trust Jesus this morning. You can follow him. You can rest in him. You can call to him. You can trust in him. I want to close this out this morning. If you just do me a favor, this may seem awkward to you, especially if you're here for the first time, but I just want to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, just for a moment to reflect on what we've just heard. I want to just guide us through it, just a, a moment of reflection, and then we're going to be done. We're going to sing a song. We're going to eat ice cream. It's going to be great, but just for a moment. If you just bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment to reflect on what we've heard. Maybe you're in the midst of the storm this morning. Maybe your trial is real. Maybe it's a temporary trial. Maybe... It's a recent trial. Maybe it's a permanent trial. Maybe it's a lifetime trial. Maybe it's not going to go 
away. And if that's you this morning, can I ask you to do something today? I mean right now. Can I ask you to call on Jesus right now? Can I ask you to ask him to help you rest in him right now? And ask you to ask him to remind you that wherever you're going in this trial, help your affections to trust it. If you're here this morning and maybe you are walking through a significant trial, maybe you need to pray with someone, maybe you need somebody to encourage you this morning. Down front to my right, your left, we have a staff member down front would love to pray with you. Maybe you want to ask somebody around you to pray for you this morning. And then let me close with this. Maybe you come this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to trust him for salvation this morning. May I tell you that he went through a storm for you today? He endured the cross because of your sin and my sin. And God brought him through the storm when Jesus rose from the grave on the third day when he defeated death and sin. And when you place your faith in Jesus today, listen to me, your destination is secure. It's assured. You can have confidence. Whatever you're walking through today is within God's GPS of coordinates. It's within God's plan and his ability to bring you home safely. That's your desire this morning. As we stand and sing, I just want to encourage you nothing magical or mystical about that. One of our staff members to my right, your left is down front. You can just ask them, hey, how, how do I trust my life to Jesus this morning? I'd be happy to walk you through that. Can I just finally say, you, you, can, you can follow Jesus this morning because he's got a purpose for your life. You can rest in him because he's at peace. You can trust in him because he's sovereign. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you and loving you and serving you this morning. God, thank you for the privilege of gathering together in this auditorium. Thank you that you're a God that's not surprised, not just responding. God, you understand. And God, help us to believe today that you're using that knowledge and your wisdom and your capability, God, to work all things together for our good. Help us to trust you in that today. In Jesus' name, amen.